Welcome, adventurers, to the Epic Levels Mad Dungeon Podcast, where we use improv, nerd lore, and creativity to create fun and weird content for your games. I'm Steve Albertson, the most vicious and super muscular peanut M&M loving dragon warrior. And I'm Andrew, the Tiger Wizard, aka T-Wizzy, also known as Art Dorcas with the Wand of Orcus. 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 And I'm just making it up as I go along. I'm Rob, the Warlock Rock. Let's roll! Well, 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 welcome everyone once again to the Epic Levels Mad Dungeon podcast. Um, it's me, Tiger Wizard. I'm here joined, as always, with my combatant at arms, Dragon Warrior Steve. Steve, welcome to the show. Hurrah. And our very special guest, uh, joining us all the way from I forget where. Pittsburgh, PA. Pittsburgh, PA. Steeler Nation. (laughs) Tyler Crumrine, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. All the way from the the city of brotherly love, Pittsburgh. Is that the one? I thought it was the city of bridges and steel. And steel no, we're actually. I'm I'm messing with you. We're actually the windy city here in here in the Sunshine State. It's uh, a whole lot of USA in Pittsburgh these days. Yeah, I mean, uh, Pittsburghers, we always have a chip on our shoulder just because we believe that we invented everything and anything that anyone else has. It's because they took it from us good, hardworking folks in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh did invent the hamburger made entirely out of olive seeds, right? The pits. Oh, yeah, but you're leaving out the most important part, which is we also put French fries on top of it. Oh, okay. Like Ah, nobody does junk food like Pittsburgh does. So in addition to creating all of these fine cuisines, uh, Pittsburgh is also home to the creator of Beak, Feather and Bone. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about this RPG game? Sure. So... um... Like Tiger Wizard said, should I call you Tiger Wizard? Are we are we on yes. familiar yeah. enough terms? Yeah, All right. Like Tiger, Tiger said, um, we uh, here in Pittsburgh, we make a variety of things. And the thing that I make is tabletop role playing games. Um, so I run the uh, game design publishing company, Possible Worlds Games. And um, the game that I'm best known for is Beak, Feather and Bone. So it is a map labeling game where you start off the game with a blank map. So it is drawn by our cartographer, Jonathan Yee, but it's just black and white, all line art on a white sheet of paper, um, no labels or anything. And as you play the game, everyone is assigned a faction. And on your turn, you claim buildings for your faction uh, based on uh, draws from a standard deck of cards. And as you claim these buildings, you color them in. To say that, like, all right, this building belongs to the Thieves Guild that I run. And so I'm going to color it green. Or another person might be representing, like, the clerics in the city. So they color it in purple to claim a building for the clerics. And uh, based on whether you draw a spade, a club, a diamond, or a heart, you're going to get a building that either serves a past purpose, a future purpose... I think I said diamond next uh, financial purpose or a social Mm -hmm. purpose. And so once you claim it, then you ask the player the game's questions, the beak, feather and bone for that building. Beak is what's its reputation in the town. 
feather, what's it like on the outside? Bone, what's it like on the inside? So really, it's a collaborative world building game that you go through, you take turns, you color in this map together, you take notes on what you've decided for these buildings. Um, but it's also my sneaky way of getting players to do all of the GM prep for me if I ever right. want to run a campaign in one of these cities. And that's what a lot of other people use the game for, too. Uh, it's something that is a fun like exercise on its own, but is uh, most commonly used as a session zero uh, for wider campaigns. And that's kind of my specialty. Like, I'm not out here to, you know, compete with Dungeons and Dragons and try and put out like 300 page hardcover tomes that you could assault someone with. Um, uh, my sweet spot is more like the 30 page zine. Um, I have a series of wire bound games that you fit nicely in your pocket. They you just kind of flip over. And they're all games that are designed uh, to be optimized for one shots. Uh, so that people can kind of just like pull out a game as it strikes them, something that is easy to pick up and play, easy to introduce new people to the hobby with, um, but that ideally have interesting mechanics for people who play a lot of RPGs to kind of hook them um, and can be daisy chained into larger campaign style games. So if someone's first RPG is one of my games, that's awesome. You can play it again uh, or you know, it can be a gateway to other experiences. So Tyler, if you if you had to choose like one game that um, you would take to a group of completely new players that were meeting at a busy brewery on a lazy Sunday afternoon and you knew. Hold on a second. Only... Is this brewery busy or lazy? <laughs> this uh, is really going to determine my answer here. Uh, it's busy with people that are in lazy. Uh, okay, lazy, Sunday lazy afternoon serving staff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So a poorly that, I mean, tended, bustling brewery. Sure. Uh, my main point in bringing up that it's busy and lazy is that it's uh, there's a lot going on that could distract people if they weren't like if they weren't so like intent on having a beer with their friends, right? Um. What what game would you would you invent or bring uh, for that crowd, knowing knowing that you only had about an hour and a half to like I that would you could keep their attention? I would bring my game dating dot sim. Um, so I created a role playing game that simulates um, visual novels, dating sims, and most importantly, uh, reality television, um, yes. where you create like a dating show, a la The Bachelor. Um, you know, love is blind, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so it doesn't require any dice. Um, it barely requires any kind of note taking. And so the, for the first half of the game, you have one person who is the lead and everyone else plays characters kind of competing for their favor by playing the dating game, you know, answering classic questions like, you know, are you um, here for the right reasons? Exactly. Or like uh, <laughs> contestant number three, you know, if you were to make me breakfast, what would you make me? Contestant number four, what's your like ideal date? One person wins. The person who wins the uh, the dating game gets to continue to play their character in the second act. Oh, Everyone cool. else plays the person they're going on a date with. And so oh, the way funny. it works is on each turn. Uh, the person who won the competition might say like, okay, um, we arrive at the dance hall and you can tell that I'm nervous to go out on the dance floor. What do you do? 
And maybe one player is like, well, in that case, I sweep you onto the dance floor. You know, I can be bold so that you don't have to. Another person says like, well, no reason to rush into it. Let's um, go over to the bar and grab a drink first. And another person says like, hey, if you're not feeling dancing, like, why are we here? My idea is to get out of here. So that person chooses the next beat of the date, the suggestion that they like most. Those two people role play a short scene and that person gets a point. And at the end of the game, the person with the most points gets to decide uh, whether or not they ask them on a second date. Um, So it is very much like quick to pick up and play. um, But more than that, I find that people kind of click with it quickly because people know reality TV. Like even if they don't know role playing games, they know the tropes of these dumb TV shows. Yeah, my wife easier to like steer them towards that and being like, and also, you know, we're in a sci fi future or like, you know, King Arthur, England. Um, then to have everyone like, okay, so we're expecting you to buy in on all this lore. And also here's what all these dice mean. Tyler, my wife has never heard of dating.sim, but she loves this game. She can't, can't wait for us to play it. Yeah. Um, I also love it. That sounds super fun and it's a cool way. I like the way that it's broken into, you know, you've got this initial segment, right? which is deciding who is basically going to be kind of like the DM, right? Or the, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the person who's sort of like choosing the path a little bit. Yeah. Really the cool. DM, the date master, the date master. The date master. <laughs> Perfect. Um, um, I want to say congratulations yeah. on uh, Claw Atlas's winning an uh, any this year. Oh yeah. Um, so along the same lines, Beak, Feather and Bone, it's this map labeling game. We put out an expansion that has, 10 additional maps, two new factions, two new rule sets, um, because uh, I keep releasing more games, you guys. Like, I keep putting out games, but people just keep buying Beak, Feather, and Bone. Um, And so evidently, people wanted more. And so we got the team back together. uh, Jonathan Yee for more maps, Austin Breed for more character illustrations, and myself for, like, new ways to kind of play the game. Um, One is like how to make your own maps. One is a way to kind of seamlessly uh, inject monsters into the city that you create. Um, But we got everyone back together and we were lucky enough that, you know, it resonated with people enough that we got an any for best cartography um, at Gen Con this year, which was wonderful for our sales. Um, Now it is a (laughs) silver any. I don't say that often because most people, they're like, all right, an any is an any. But I think it's worth acknowledging that we did lose um, the gold best cartography to the Blade Runner RPG. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you just you got to give Harrison Ford the credit. He's really been working on his draftsmanship yeah, skills. He's really been drawing <laughs> like crazy. They, they ponied people... up to get the best to draw their maps. Uh-huh. And like, listen, this is where I need to bring reality to you in a very hard way, Tyler literally hundreds, if not thousands of people sent in their products to possibly uh, win an any you made the cut through all of those people to be voted on. Then when the voting happened, you made your way up to the top two. It is a feat to even get there. So uh, nonchalantly talk about uh, free league, by the way, too, which is a rad company, but a much bigger company than just little old Tyler over here and a lot more resources to put to it. So I think, uh, you know, credit where the credit's due, you guys put out an amazing thing. So 
Yeah. She'd be oh, very thank proud you of so it. much. I, I, I really, I really appreciate that. Also, I do, I do want to call you out on that uh, last sort of joke. Um, Harrison Ford, um, you know, while beloved, was not the cartographer for the Blade Runner uh, RPG. It was, in fact, Ryan Gosling. Oh, in a 2049. It's, you know, it's tough because like, you know, Harrison is the face of the franchise, uh, but we all know he's just kind of blazed out of his mind 24 seven. Like he's just going from like one morning show segment to another where a magician comes into his home and just ruins his entire concept of reality. Um, So, you know, it's uh. You, you do what you got to do. Uh, Tyler, uh, can you talk to us about your upcoming project, Bad, 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 and what we should expect in that, uh, with that, and when it's coming out? Yeah, so Bad, Bad, Bad is uh, an experiment in um, creating a completely opposite game to the style that I usually create. So um, not in terms of like, accessibility or those kinds of things, but just in terms of uh, focus. So a lot of my games uh, are pretty world building heavy. You know, it's uh, ways that kind of like start from zero and ask players like, all right, invent your setting together, invent your characters together. And it holds your hand through all those steps. But even that I've found um, in running games around Pittsburgh, I uh, I ran a after school program for middle schoolers for a long time. A lot of them playing their first RPGs, and I'm also teaching uh, role playing game design at uh, Carnegie Mellon University right now. Um, and it is a class that is open to all majors. So we have some people who are like actively pursuing a game design minor um, or major, and then we also have a number of people from a bunch of different fields who are like, hey. I'm going to take this class because it sounds interesting and I have a room for an elective. Let's do role-playing game design instead of taking like a pottery course. Um, But in playing games with a lot of people that are kind of new to the hobby, uh, what I find is sometimes things that role players take for granted as far as like just asking someone to even create a character um, or describe what that character looks like. Um, can be a lot of pressure. The same thing with asking someone, it's like, all right, it's on you to help determine the setting. For some people, that's really exciting because they're like, oh my gosh, I have equal agency here. For some people, that's terrifying. Uh, So Bad, Bad, Bad is a game that encourages you to treat RPGs more like fan fiction. Uh, I'm calling it action figure style role playing. So we have a deck of cards and on each card, there is an illustration of a character by our illustrator Kelly Kay and um, what you do is you're going to draft characters from that deck and then focusing on that character you're going to come up with three bad qualities for them Uh, something society thinks is bad about them something their peers think is bad about them something they think is bad about themselves and then you are going to be transferred to the world of an existing media property So Kingdom Hearts style, fan fiction style of just everyone at the table is like, all right, what is a setting or property that we all feel comfortable enough with that we can play in it? And you're in that you've been transported to that setting. Something's going on here. Paradise. Yes, exactly. You could 100 percent do that. I've had a number of people play the game like in uh, like old Sims campaigns or Star Wars or like the 
new Barbie movie. Um, but you're in like kind of a, a creepypasta um, twisted version of the setting and you have to lean into your worst qualities in order to get out. Um, so it is a game that has a floating GM and that really is trying to tell players that like, all right, you know, taking, you know, a couple of like existing media properties and smashing the action figures together like they're fighting or kissing like that counts too. You know, um, you don't have to be like a writerly or, you know, like doing these big sweeping world building exercises in order to enjoy role playing games. You can also just kind of sit around like you would um, on a playground in school and just be like, OK, you know, we're fighting and now Darth Vader's here, but but he's he's got a rash and he really <laughs> like he's not. Very I just good need with some calamine lotion. Yeah. Um, <sighs> so bad, bad, bad is still under development. Um, we're playtesting it like monthly in a discord that I set up. You can find it if you go to playtest.me. We'll take you to my website. There's a link at the bottom. Discord's open to everyone. And uh, right now, as far as our development, um, I want to make sure that I'm ironing out all the kinks. But also, it's been really great working with Kelly Kay. Um, they are a comics illustrator. Um, and I do not want to push them to illustrate these 40 characters faster than they're comfortable with. Um, uh -huh. So we're moving <laughs> at a pretty good clip right now, but I'm trying to be uh, conscientious of that and like keep other irons moving while we chip away at bad, bad, bad. That's so really do you cool. Think the product itself will be a deck of cards or a booking cards, or what do you think? It will part? be a deck of cards. So the characters will be on uh, the 40 numbered cards, and then um, the additional uh, 12, 13, how, however many cards are in a normal deck, depending on if you have a Joker. Um, those cards we're going to use to print the rules on uh, so that it'll still fit within your standard, like manufacturer's tuck box. Cool. I think it's really I think it's really neat that you're touching on um, sort of a difference of play or uh, an apprehension of play when you're presenting uh, somebody with infinite possibilities as opposed to, you know, a finite set number of possibilities. I think that um, myself and Dragon Warrior, we function really well within a realm of infinite possibility. Um, but there are other people who love playing role playing games that function a little bit better if they have like I've got a you know slim select set of options to sort of choose from and it you know it gives it opens up other realms of creativity for them. Yeah, I'll so, say my own playtesting too. I'm working on a game that I had when it, I conceived of it very open, and then when I started playing with people, they're like, "No, you should give me options." to roll on for these things like character quirks, beliefs, things like that. When I thought like an archetype would be enough. So yeah, it's totally like giving players those kinds of options to go one way or another. It's very fun. I'm a big fan of challenge by choice. And that mm. includes like challenging yourself to, you know, be more creative on your own. Uh, so someone could play bad, bad, bad. And like they could draw their own character they could come up with their own character. You know, if someone decides that they want to kind of like, you know, 
go a little freeform with it, that's fine. But whenever I design games, I want to make sure that I am like giving, uh, you know, like the least among us the benefit of the doubt. It's like sure. I, I would rather assume, you know, someone might appreciate this assistance than necessarily like hopping straight to like, well, me as someone who is a professional role playing game designer, this is what I prefer. Right. I don't need someone <laughs> to explain this vocabulary to me when realistically any RPG might be someone's first RPG. And they're not even going to like understand the notation of like D6 unless somewhere in the text you say like D uh, six sided die hereafter D6, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, so I try and like, I don't know, have as few assumptions as possible uh, when kind of like starting that playtesting process. And yeah, uh, part of the great thing of having this discord is we have a number of people with, again, a number of different experience levels. And we have some folks that are very new to RPGs and they're playing it and they're like, oh, hey, this seems more accessible to me than other RPGs. But we also have some pros who are playing the game and their feedback's been really useful yeah. because there are moments in the game when they've said like, oh, you know, this is different from the other RPGs I play. And so there's a bit of cognitive dissonance for me of like, you know, drawing a card and then describing an action as opposed to proposing an action and then engaging and then, in the randomization. Yeah, so it's, it I'm, I'm still trying to thread that needle, but it's been one of the most exciting projects I've worked on in a while. Well, Tyler, kind like of in keeping that with yeah. that. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Steve, were you trying to jump in? Go ahead. I was just going to say, I also just like the portability of your idea with this game. It seems like a really good, like pick up and go kind of game. Like you can oh, carry yeah. it in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. Love the, love the games you can put in a uh, purse. One of Becky's favorite, um, I guess maybe TikTok or influencers. I don't know. Is like, purse games or games in your purse i don't know and she talks about games that you can fit in your in like a clutch so I've, I i've your... said it before and i'll say it again i will buy it. any game provided it's small enough there you like, go I'm, I'm a sucker for <laughs> like a nice little compact box like i i'm addicted yeah. to those oink games it's like oh if my you, gosh if you, if you, you know man, have you played maskman oh it's wonderful i love a good trick yeah. taker yeah. Well, hey, um, kind of keeping in the the theme of what we were just talking about, um, I think now is a good time to jump into the construction of a room. But I don't want to make any assumptions that, um, you know, you're a professional dungeon room builder. So I'm going to ask Steve if you will lay out the rules for building a mad dungeon. All right, so here we are in season two of the Epic Levels Mad Dungeon podcast, uh, where we are making one room in a series of rooms to eventually be in our Mad Mega Dungeon. Um, what we're going to do is start off by each of us rolling a D6. Uh, that will determine a type of word, a noun, verb, or adjective. We'll just say whatever pops into our head. Uh, then we'll move into our segment, Initial Thoughts, where we'll talk about what those words mean to us, combine them, um, make a bunch of fun jokes. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll have Tyler roll uh, another D6 to determine the type of room that it's going to be. Then we'll talk about uh, solidifying what we're actually going to find in that room. 
Then we'll move on to our finishing feature segment where we'll each put our fingerprint on it, our own little stamp, um, name the room, and then get on out of here. Are we ready to do this? Hell yeah. I believe so. All right, let's do it. Tyler, why don't you start? Uh, Go ahead and pick up that D6 and give it a roll. All right. I got a six. Uh, Six is an adjective. So word of description. Um, I'm going to say crowded. Crowded. That's a very Mm. fun one. Uh, Andrew, let's get a roll. Crowded. Could be busy, could be lazy, could be a little bit of both. Here I go. I'm rolling. Oh, all right. And I'm actually I'm going to roll my um, my official uh, game hole con from 2022 D6. It's got the little game hole con logo. I don't know exactly here about your game hole. All right. Um, I mean, I'm curious. So from what I understand, Dragon Warrior is going to be uh, running games at game hole this year and also will be uh, podcasting live. True stories. Come say hi. All right, here we go. Rolling the D6. And it's a six. Another adjective. 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 Um, I'm going to say pocket-sized. Pocket-sized. One word. (laughs) Hyphenated. (laughs) Pocket-sized. All right, Steve, let's get a D6 roll, baby. Do it. I rolled a four. Four is a a verb, an action word. Verb. I'm gonna say dating, just dating. like dating dot sim. <laughs> All right, well, guys, it's time for us to jump into our first segment. Let's go to initial thoughts. Right out the gate, the creative juices flowing. Initial thoughts. Now let's get the show going. All right, here we are. It's initial thoughts. Um, so basically, what we're going to do, um, we've got three words: crowded, pocket sized and dating and you know what i'm gonna go first because i can't not think about this um i had these toys when i was a kid called uh it wasn't called poly pocket but it was the like first the, thing that came to my mind it was, was poly pocket it was, was it mighty max mighty max, max. that's yes. what it was yes um Man, I love those little things. They're very good. Yeah, super fun. And they're like little scenes. Like some of them were like gross and creepy. I remember there was one that had like a little Frankenstein monster. I feel in like it. they were all little like floors of dungeons. They, they were kind of. Yeah, I yeah. Kinda like each like one was kind of like a level that would yeah. be like, okay, you're Mighty Max, and like here's an enemy, and here's like a physical challenge. Yeah, and not to like throw. I mean, because that's what pocket size and dating made me think of because my sisters had Polly Pocket and I had Mighty Max. Um, and For I remember that sisters, are younger, Andrew, can you can you describe what this actually is? Just we're sure. making the assumption that people know. I know. But sure. I, there's plenty of people that yeah. have no idea what you're talking about. So it it's imagine it being about the size of a hockey puck. If OK, so maybe you don't understand what a hockey puck is. All right. So imagine a use fruit analogy. People use food all the time. Yeah. So it's about the size of a grapefruit, but, you know, cut off the, the dome size. So you've got like a you know a this is way better this is perfect yeah yeah it's a it's you take a you take a grapefruit you cut off the ends so you're left with a the centerpiece right the the widest ribbed part but it's sort of like flat on the top um 
Yeah, the only way I can think to describe it is a is a hockey yeah, puck. Yeah, so it's it's a, a gra- it's somewhere between a grapefruit, grapefruit and a hockey, and a hockey puck. puck. Yeah, Kids grapefruit and a hockey puck. Loved it. Yeah, <laughs> Kids and it, loved it. It opens up. It's like a clamshell. It opens up, or like a a makeup um, mirror compact thing. It has like a little snap that opens up, and then inside is uh, a play place of wonder. Um, I can see how this would be very disappointing to someone who is used to opening up like one of those Game Boys and like you open up the Game Boy and then inside there's like a game to play. You open this thing up and it's, it's like, like a, a compact, of- like a makeup compact. It's, so the, you're no, leaving game out Boy the Advanced. most important part, game which Boy is Advanced. that they're all shaped like a head, like yeah. a little like sometimes it'll be a skull. Sometimes it'll be a monster face. So imagine if like you opened up your skull yeah. And like, and it was on a hatch in the back, and there are a bunch of little guys just playing around in there. Yeah, yeah so I remember there was like one that was like he's like maybe not even an inch tall. Like, so it's also playing with like little toys, like a bunch yeah. of tiny little toys inside of this thing. There's one that's like a bat head. Um, I think the skull. I had. I think I had the skull one. The and skull it had is like, the only one I remember. Yeah, it had like big, like weirdly big fangs. Um, anyway, so they're like little little toy, like little tiny toys, right? And so my my sister, who had the Polly Pocket, which is a you know a cutesy dollhouse version of this, would take, she would steal the little tiny guys so that her Polly Pockets would have boys. Oh. Um, so they she would they would she date. took all your mighty Maxwells. Yeah, yeah, God forbid you'd bring a Polly Pocket into Mighty Max's world. What a difference those two worlds that they lived in. One is just uh, nice and adorable, and the other one is a nightmare scape of mad science and like uh, old Tales from the Crypt episodes. I, I pretty, think she'd yeah. kick ass. Yeah, I think it'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, so anyway, um, that's what came to my mind uh, immediately was, um, you know, Grapefruit, Hockey Puck, Game Boy, Advance, pop open clamshell toys um mighty max um tyler what uh what popped into your mind with these uh with these three words crowded pocket size and dating when i think of crowded pocket size dating i think of dating apps because what is tinder if not a bunch of people that just live in your phone and they're all just like they're they're they're, they're all just hanging out in your pocket. They're all just crowded <laughs> together. And it's like, you know, they're just you, you pull them out and you you talk to your phone people. You you sort through you sort through the little crowded pocket sized, uh, you know, dating scene that you have at your fingertips. Tyler, what's your experience with dating apps? I was on them for entirely too long and I never want to go back. Um, I, I've been happily with my partner for about two years now, and we, uh, we're both kind of put through the ringer of, uh, just like, you know, bad date after bad date. And, uh, it's really nice to kind of, you know, get through that ringer of like, all right, I've discovered all of the things that I'm not looking for in a relationship. Or I've discovered all of the deal breakers and then to finally, you know, find that person and none of those things come up and be like, hey, this is like really kind of cool. Is it supposed to be this easy? I feel like we should distrust how easy this is. Um, But then, yeah, just kind of being like, well, 
I, I guess the the time was worth it. Um, but it is it is tough, especially with like modern dating, you know, so much of it being uh, like a numbers game and also like the ease of access of like talking to anyone at any time. I lived in New York City for a while and dating apps were the worst there because like if someone had to take the subway to meet you, they would just yeah. be like, nah, not worth the effort. <laughs> You know, I've yeah. got like 30 people up the block for me. I'm I'm not going to like go over there. And similarly, like if a date was not like the first date was, you know, the start of a rom-com, people would be like, well, I could go on a second date with this person. But I've got so just, many options. <laughs> I could just roll the dice again. Yeah. 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 Uh, I lived in Los Angeles for a while and it was very similar there where it was just nightmarish <laughs> and across the board with the different types of people you'd meet. So I like, I have a lot of people um, that are still out there, you know, they're, they're in the game and I'm their biggest cheerleader, <laughs> but also please God, please. I, I'd never want to go back. Same. Um, Steve, what did these uh, words make you think of? What were your initial thoughts? I don't know why Pocket also made me immediately go to Polly Pocket. Uh, I've been brainwashed from Saturday morning cartoons or however I was inundated with uh, that. Uh, but crowded, pocket-sized dating. I also just thought about speed dating uh, from every sitcom or television show. I don't yeah, know like that episode of Friends where they all did a bunch of speed and then went on dates. Yeah, it's just like that Friends episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, they're Ross just like us. Is... They're so relatable. <laughs> Ross Steve. just got his monkey all methed up and then they all like oh. were running around the coffee shop because yeah. it wasn't enough speed in their day-to-day -day life and caffeine. Steve, I got to ask you a question. Have you ever um, recorded yourself on a video, on a on a VHS tape, giving oh, like eighty style, <laughs> giving your like your your best foot forward to send in via video cassette tape for a dating. Here, I'll give you. One. I'll get, I, I did, and it went exactly like this. Hey, babes, this is Steve the Dragon Warrior. I bet you're wondering if you needed someone with crazy muscles on their stomachs, <laughs> like me. Also, do you need someone that could rip a car in half? I'm Holy your dude. Cow. <laughs> also, I've got all sorts of money. I'm seven foot nine. Also, I could do, I could Don't ollie stop. over a cement truck. Anyway, babes, I hope you find me. My number's 555 Dragon Dude. I, yeah, I can it. just picture right. you flexing Perfect. the entire time. And I do have um, great news for you. Um, okay. They added the update um, after I left the dating scene, but now. Uh, Hinge has audio prompts like you can mm. record audio clips of yourself answering the questions that they give you. And there is um, an entire subset of TikToks of like women reenacting and lip syncing to just the most awful dudes they can find. That's amazing. <laughs> it's you know, it's, it's really incredible. <laughs> What's well, even more amazing is that right now, Zach, our producer, who is recording everything that's happening right now is uploading that that <laughs> that audio clip of the Perfect. dragon warrior steve to a uh, epic levels 
Hint, what'd you say? Hinge, hinge? hinge profile. Hinge profile. Yeah. Listen, so I have been on out, hinge ladies. since the audio bit uh, that was there. And I had that exact thing in there, so you don't need to repost it. But oh, okay, I will great. say on the women's side, the, it is like putting on the sexiest voice imaginable. And you're, they're like ASMR style. They're like, um, I really thought that Titanic is probably the greatest film ever made. That's wonderful. And then, yeah. And then yeah. it's like, I would I just be old. on the hunt for like good bits, you know, right? Like yeah. there's I, I saw one that was a guy who's like, hey there, my job is as an audio producer. So here's some light music while you scroll the rest <laughs> of my profile. And it was just like elevator music. And yeah. at the end of the recording, yeah. it was like, oh, we all know that you're not going to match with me. Get out of here. It's <laughs> just like, all right, that's great. Amazing. Well, like, on that show note- that you have a sense of humor. On that note, I think now is a great time for us to take a short little break. We will be right back. Hey, everybody. Here we are. It's the break time of the show. We've got a very special break uh, for this episode. I am joined by two of the world's most famous RPG artists of all time, uh, let me welcome to the show David Hoskins and Errol Otis. Guys, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah. So, Thanks for um, us. you guys all might be wondering why I have these super famous uh, RPG artists joining me today. It's because we did a thing called the Best Dwarf Drawing Contest. And myself, Errol, and David were the pseudo-celebrity judges that um, chose the best dwarf drawings. So before we get into the entrance, we're going to talk about a couple of them. I wanted to go around the table and from each of us find out what it is that um, you really love or loathe about dwarves and what was the criteria that you used in judging. David, why don't you go first uh, because of alphabets? Because of the alphabets. Um, I love dwarves. Um, Pretty much always have. I just, uh, starting with Tolkien and how mysterious they were compared to everything else, you know, Um, you never, they're secretive. You never got a lot about them. So when you did get little bits of their, their magic, their songs, their history, when you get into like Silmarillion and history of Middle Earth stuff, um, at a young age, that's that always really inspired my imagination. Um, you know, my, uh, Moria, uh, the Dwemerdale, all that stuff. Um, and then even later in like old Capcom D and D beat 'em up game. You know, they had oh, the yeah. character that was really <laughs> cool there, and Record of Lotus War, and um, yeah, they're just. I just think they're neat. Very <laughs> cool, uh, Errol. What about you? Can I? Can I go right into the uh, criteria? Sure. Oh, okay. yeah, the criteria. Because that was kind of, I mean, yeah, so the criteria I was using are were unsettlingness. Unsettlingness. Unsettlingness, yeah, because, um, and this comes from the Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? Okay, so when I first saw Gimli, I didn't research what was up with the movie. I just went and saw it, and I, I was just like, what's happening here? You know, it wasn't until later that I realized that they had got a big guy and shrunk him down, right? But yeah. the, the effect was so unsettling to me. He had like, you know, his face was all, it was hair encroaching and he was all like 
dark and I couldn't figure out what he was. And I was unsettled and that stuck with me. And later I really liked that. So that was one criteria, unsettlingness. And then um, another thing, the next one I had four for some reason, but uh, the next one That's was okay. underground, undergroundiness. Um, <laughs> yeah, that right. That was, you know, dwarves. They're mainly underground, but, you know, whenever you see them, they're not. You know, they're not. They're like wandering around outside usually yeah. um, with their friends um, because they have to. Uh, so I, I appreciated the, the, uh, the few entries here that represented them underground. And then the uh, third one was panache, just yeah. like, uh, which is sort of the style. It also, um, a little of the uh, originality idea creeping in there with panache. And the last one was, uh, um, whoa, just when I first saw the piece, did I have kind of like a reaction that was... Um, W-O-E or W-H-O-A? I think it's W-O-A-H. So oh, like that the woe factor. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I wasn't thinking about not, any not criteria. It was just the overall piece. And those were them. Those were the ideas. Very cool. So um, how, overall, like, what are what is your feeling towards dwarves, Errol? And then I want to pop back over to David to hear his criteria. Oh, um, I, you know, I, I like them. I don't have any, uh, any issues. I think it's kind of cool the way, uh, uh, for some reason, when I read games of... <laughs> At conventions, like everyone, like the character that people want to be the most, like it's not by a wide margin, but it is the most, is the dwarf fighter. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but uh, it's it's like a comfort spot for uh, for role playing game uh, players. Very, yeah, they're cool. Yeah, Dwarves are absolutely. cool. David, what were your uh, criteria when you were judging all of these dwarf drawings? So. The first one is is the beard, right? Oh, yeah. Um, the first, my first category, dwarves and their beards. Uh, I like length. Um, if they don't have length, then you know I like to have either some sort of uh, uh, elaborate braiding. Uh, but it can also swing the other way. If like you're bushly and unkempt, it's got to be like it, it's an extreme either way, right? That's right. That's the way I prefer my dwarves. Um, the second one is BDE, big dwarf energy. So the oh. ones, so <laughs> if it if I see it and it's you know got dwarfy things going on, um, that could be anything from. Uh, we definitely had a lot of submissions of them drinking tankards of ale. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, fighting their enemies, having big axes, uh, having. Uh, dwarves, you know, like I, when you think of dwarves, like Errol was talking about Gimli and the beard and encroaching on the face, the dwarves to me, like the eyes, right? Like, mm-hmm. like there's got to be a f- the fire in the eye. Yeah. Um, and then the third uh, is sort of a uh, my third uh, uh, category was sort of a, a it's craft, right? Like dwarves are big on craft, so I felt that that's sort of where I put in like uh, drawing, uh, color usage. If there's color, like how well was color used? Uh, just just the craftsmanship of, of the piece, of the drawing, not of, of like, the drawing. Not, yeah, okay, no, yeah, that's awesome. Those are some great some great pieces of criteria, and they're all, you know both of you had criteria that were pretty similar to mine. Um, I. 
I've loved dwarves. Uh, I don't know why I love playing dwarves in games. You know, s- same as you, David, in that side-scrolling video game. Always want to be the dwarf. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I just, I, I love, dwarves are cool. I think we can all agree dwarves are cool. I really like dwarves. Um, I set up for myself three pieces of criteria for um, judging these drawings. Um, and the first was axe and beard, right? Mm. So... To me, uh, you know, um, a, a big weapon is really important. And I scored a lot of these really highly um, if they had like a big weapon. And similar to what you were saying, David, like the beard needs to have more going on than what a wizard beard has going on. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. either braids or coughed in some fashion that is extreme or fun. Um, I especially especially like the little beads in the braids. So a couple of people got marked up for that. And I did subtract points from some really good drawings that had, you know, a beard and not an axe or an axe (laughs) and not a beard, you know, because it's about both. To me, there were a handful of fours, like like on a grade of one to one to ten each category. I did one to ten. I assume you all did, too. But Mm -hmm. the uh, there were a handful of dwarves that got uh some deductions because they, they had a four, you know, like a below average beard. Right. Um, yeah. Below average beard will bring you your know, dwarf uh, down. Yeah. Um, my second, and, and this ties in, I think a little bit with um, both panache and big dwarf energy um, is uh, the attitude. So that was my second category was the attitude. And the thing that I was looking for that was um, one of two things. And Um, One of them is kind of like how I envision dwarves from gaming supplements, which is typically with like a stern scowl, right? Mm -hmm. So like it's got, they've got like a fierce sternness about them. And then the other is more like from Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings where um, uh, I don't know, somebody tells a joke about uh, something to Gimli and he does this like, (laughs) like that kind of like deep mirthy laugh so it's one of those two things for me it's either like deep hearty you know bone rattling mirth or like stoic uh scowling um sternness so that's either way it should be the the fire of their furnaces you know the fire of the forge should be it should be intense should be in there yeah and then my final my final criteria was drawing details. So um, I think maybe uh, you know all three of us like to draw things, and maybe when it comes to looking at other people's drawings, I tend to gravitate towards stuff that looks closer to like what I would draw. Um, and I really enjoy drawing very small details, and um, uh, I really appreciate it in these dwarf drawings. Um, when someone took the time to add some extra details around it, right? So like if you added the runes onto the helmet or the axe is not just, you know, the shape of an axe, but it has some battle wear on it. You can see the cracks in it. You know, I like fun little details. So um, that's what I was mostly looking for in that third category is fun details that sort of scream dwarf to me Mm -hmm. so um now that we've all talked a little bit about dwarves and our criteria let's jump into um going through some of the entrants so 
I want to start with um, entrant number 14. So um, this one comes from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Um, and um, this dwarf looks awesome, right? So if you're listening to this at home and you go to the Epic Levels website and click on the dwarf uh, drawing contest. All of these will be posted up there with the number and name of the entrant. So you can, you can go follow along with us. Um, this one is by, uh, let's see, where's the name? Ricardo de Gaspar. So this was one of our honorable mentions. Um, and no idea what shipping stuff to Brazil is like. Um, but, um, Errol, well, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll get you a prize, Ricardo. Yeah. Um, but um, Errol or David, whoever would like to go first, um, let's talk about this dwarf drawing and what we liked about it so much. Well, the standout for me in this drawing is this shield. It's it's freaking awesome, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The shield commands like this the you know the viewer's eye it's got a face of a, a dwarven god or something along those lines the shield has a beard but also this dwarf has an awesome beard with um you know three this was braids one of the highest ranking beards oh for sure right like three braids each one with two like what are those things called like a beard clamp thing <laughs> yeah i don't know sure beard clamp the old beard clamp. Um, but the stuff that like got the extra from me for the details is like the details in the axe, right? And then also he's got a fun eye patch, right? And then he's got boots that look like they maybe he stole them from a mech or something like that. <laughs> um, so there's just a lot of really cool layers uh, in this drawing. So good job, Ricardo. Um. Anybody else want to comment on this one or do you want to move on to the next one? This, this one gave me some like, especially in the face, it, it definitely gave me some old like Warhammer vibes. He doesn't have the uh-huh. Mohawk, right? But he, it's got, it's the, it's the continents of the face, you know, it's like yeah, the, the attitude, the attitude. He definitely had some good, some, some, some big dwarf energy. Yeah, yep. for sure. <laughs> Very cool. Um, okay. Uh, next up. Let's quickly take a look at the entrant from Carlos Castillo. Oh, that's not the full name. It's Carlos Castillo de Souza Filho. And this is um, entrant number 10. Uh, Errol, why don't you tell us what you liked about this dwarf? Wait, I think you're number 12. You're right, number 12. Entrant yeah, number okay. 12. Well, so this one, <laughs> this is the one I think. I would most like like sort of to be my friend and yeah. to be to be uh, part of um, part of part my, of your adventuring party. Yes, 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 yes. I feel like he'd be on the right side of of uh, maybe morality, which is weird because normally I don't, I don't care about that. But uh, for me, I love his I love his winged helm. Yeah, the winged helmet reminds me of the dragon warrior. Yeah, um, David, what about you? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. This one is, uh, he, he, this dwarf has your back, right? Yeah. Like he's ready to, he's ready to get in there and help you. I also appreciate that he is mostly helmet and beard. 
Yep. Mostly um, like pretty much exclusively his axe, helmet and beard. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, and there were a few entries that, um, lost some big dwarf energy because if, you know, they were just uh, a character on a page and, uh, some of them, you know, if, if I didn't know that this was a dwarf drawing contest, I might be a little stretched to, to pin them as a dwarf. Right. You know? Uh, but this one is like screams dwarf, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent dwarf. Um, let's move on to our next entrant, um, and this is actually um, this artist. Uh, this is entrant number ten. Is a friend of mine. This is Ambrose Holerman. Oh, nice. Um, so Ambrose has uh, he's an artist that has worked um, professionally. I mean, he lives in North Carolina now, but when he lived in Atlanta, uh, he and I uh, gamed together. So I I recognized it immediately as his work. Um, And man, what a great job he has done here. Um, He's got the axe. He's got the complicated beard. um, He's really captured the scowl for me. Um, David, what did you like about this dwarf? Uh, This one, just the the craft is... Mm -hmm. uh, Phenomenal. Uh, Ambrose, I'm probably going to be getting a hold of you sometime soon. Um, that axe is great. I love, uh, you mentioned details before. Yeah. Andrew right? and, and looking at owl. it, I mean, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's got the ring. So he's got, you know, like the dwarf has riches. He's got a very nice ring with a nice seal on it. He's got a very nice uh, axe where if you look at it, it's definitely got some, uh, some tooling uh, mm-hmm. all around it. Looks very nice. The owl looks great, and to me, that's like another uh, little token callback where dwarves know the language of the birds. Right. Um, the The beard, while short, um, is very well manicured, uh, and I like it's got layers. There's yeah. uh, there is uh, effort and love put into that beard. So for sure, Errol, what about you? Well, this one, this one. Uh got my highest marks for woe when I first opened it. The, uh, the combination sort of like his presence and the way he filled up, you know, your, your, your vision, uh, yeah. and then the, uh, the wonderful rendering. Yeah. Yeah. Top, top, top marks 10 for woe. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's two more entrants that we need to talk about, um, entrant number 13 and entrant number 23. And these two entrants, um, both, uh, tied actually with, in our rating system for first place. So those two entrants are, um, Lucas and Aaron Lucas. Um, I'm going to try to say your last name. It looks like Pawinski. And Aaron Cornelius. So um, we're going to pick one of them to be our grand prize winner. And then the second, pl- the other will become our second place winner. First place winner will receive $300 and the great Dwarven Battle Axe. Um, if I can't ship it to you, then you'll receive additional funds uh, to the amount of the cost of that Battle Axe. Um, second place will receive the box sets for the old school essentials, um, of which Errol did one cover, um, and David did many covers. So, um, that's what we're talking about. That's what's on the line. Let's take a look. Let's start with, um, entry 23, uh, Aaron Cornelius and David, why don't you go first? 
this one, uh, it's got it's got a lot going on. Um, good use of color. Uh, you got a dwarf who has is adventuring, like stomping his way through a cave, right? Like he's got oh, his yeah. foot on the throat of a skeleton that he just broke to pieces, but he's not done. You know, he's like looking around. He's yeah. trying to find the rest of that gold. Uh, the beard's good and long. It goes down to about his knee, which is, you know, that's a solid length for a dwarf. Um, he's got the eyes, he's got the scowl, uh, and he's just, he's got big dwarf energy. Yeah. Arrow, what do you, what were your thoughts on this one? Oh, this was, uh, this one was great. Uh, number one for me for undergroundiness, not, not surprising. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and also, uh, uh, you know, some good woe, good panache. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's, uh, it's tough that we have to decide between these two, but I guess we do. Well, well, let's uh, let's chat. Well, let me just say about this one. Um, this one for me got probably my highest marks across the board. Um, the axe looks very similar to the axe that I um, uh, am offering as a reward. the The beard is good. Um, I feel like the beard might might fall a little bit short, but I just I love the style that it's drawn in. I love the use of color. Um, and this one like hits really hard home for me on all those little details, like the skull knee pad, the knife in the boot, you know, all it's got all the little details. Let's talk real quick about Lucas, uh, Pawinski, um, entrant number 13. Is it? Yeah. 13. Um, and David, why don't you go first again? Um, why don't you kick it over to Errol for this one so you can oh, start this yeah. one off. There you go. Errol, why don't you pick it up? What do you think? Well, this, this one was my favorite. Um, it has, uh, it got the number one panache, which I think for this one, it just had an original flavor, the style of the, of the uh, accoutrements and overall just stood out for me. Uh, you know, I felt like uh, the artist, had something unique to say. Yeah, um, for sure. And, uh, you know, and it, it was, uh, it also had, you know, my second highest woe. So yeah, I, I just, I just like it. I have to say that, um, this one, you know, hit the scowl for me in such a way. And it's not just like the scowl that's on the dwarf's face, but he's wearing like a goblin hat and that goblin is scowling. He's got, <laughs> He's got faces on his shoulder pads. They're also scowling. He's got a little bit of blood on his axe. He has a beard. And then this this artist just nailed the fun details for me, right? Like the little bits of chain link, the um, the like the gemstone on the scabbard of the dagger. Um, just really love it. David. Blood on the axe. Right. Blood on the axe. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, just the, he's got the, he's got the dead eye. He's seen some stuff. Uh, you mentioned the, the linkage on the chain mail Mm -hmm. looks awesome. Uh, I love the boar head on his, uh, whatever that's called the tabard. Is that what that is? When it goes over the armor like that? Sure. You should revoke, revoke my nerd. Yeah. Although I don't have, um, it wasn't a specific, one of my criteria, I also thought his beard was again the most original. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, and the beard is and the mustache not seen before in a good way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got it's a real it's a real uh, broom, right? A real <laughs> bristly broom shape. Yeah. But the mustache and the shadow under the mustache, like it, it's it's just it's really solid. I love the shoulder pads. I love the details of the um, even his shield. He's got like a spiked fist gauntlet, like tucked behind, like tucked behind there, so you can punch while shield smashing while using right. his axie halberd there wearing a goblin head as a hat i mean it, big dwarf energy all around great beard great craft um it's it's going to be tough to choose between these two all right well it's going to be tough but we got to do it and we've only got a few seconds left to do it so um real quick i need each of you to say if you're choosing our entrant numbers 23 or 13. Errol, which one gets first place? Well, I have to stick with my uh, lucky 13. All right. So Errol's vote is going to be for Lucas. Um, David? Oof, man. God, that's tough. Okay, I think I'm that clicking the, back think, and forth. <laughs> I, I'm literally clicking back and out. forth between the two. I printed out I, in front of me. Yeah, I oh did you? That's wild. Um Well it, not individually, God, but honestly, I think I Yeah, I think I think the I think I gotta go with Lucas as well. Like that All right. Well that you know what? My vote doesn't really matter, but I'm also voting for Lucas and congratulations. Um and I apologize for brutalizing your last name. Um <laughs> but first place in our best dwarf drawing contest is going to go to Lucas Pewinski. Um, so I'll be reaching out to you um, probably before this airs. Um, you'll have your prize. Um, and as will the rest of our um, contestants. I want to take a real quick second to say thank you so much to everybody that participated. It was a joy to get to look at all of your dwarf drawings. We'll be, posting, we'll be posting them all on our social media. Um, so keep your eyes on your Instagram to see all of these and we'll tag each of the artists. Um, Errol, David, thank you both so very much for joining us, um, for this kind of long break, but super fun. Um, and thank you for being our celebrity judges for this event. Oh my God. This was so much fun. Thank, thanks for the, uh, for the ask. Yes. Thank you so much. It was great. Um, so good to see all these dwarves and, I think Errol, you're the one you said to see uh, to see many dwarves, we will be enriched. Is <laughs> how Errol is how Errol responded to the email. So Indeed. Oh, I completely, yeah, Indeed. I have, yeah, I forgot about that, but I feel enriched. I do. All right, y'all, we're going to kick it back over to the show. Thank you again, everyone, for participating. Thank you again, Errol. Thank you again, David. And we're back. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for the break. But now let's do a quick recap before jumping into our next segment. So we had some words rolled. Those words were crowded, pocket-sized, and dating. From there, we went into our initial thoughts. We talked uh, in great length about... Uh, the little Mighty Max pocket. We got scenes. it all. We got hockey pucks. We got <laughs> grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> they open like a clamshell. Yeah. Uh, from like there, we talk. Classic talked- hockey puck grapefruit. You know, <laughs> duh. 
We from there we talked about dating apps, uh, having tiny people who live in your phone, um, and how in certain large metropolitan areas it's easy to uh, go from one date to the next because of the simplicity and ease. Um, we talked about Polly Pocket again, and then we also weirdly talked about speed dating um, or doing speed while dating or the cast of friends doing a lot of drugs and dating. And then we listened to the most amazing audio clip from Steve, the dragon warriors current hinge profile um, where he talks about his muscles and doing ollies. So with this recap, before before we move on, I just want to comment that like, I'm really impressed by just how progressive Mattel was even back then, like you know, uh, oh, for before it was popular, like giving us a poly pocket. You know, it's like yeah. a relationship doesn't have to be just like a man and a woman, or a woman and a woman, or a man and a man. It can just be like as many people as you can fit inside of a grapefruit. Yeah, that's true. As many a grapefruit size hockey puck clamshell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll say yeah. we've hit. uh pocket size pretty heavy with that and dating really hard but we have neglected crowded just a little bit but let's go ahead and move on to our next segment well what is Uh, a relationship if not the most crowded relationship that's right and let me ask you this tyler what's in the room when you zoom through this room what's in it for us three nights in a fight or a giant cactus All all right here we are in the room Tyler, can you roll a d6 so we can determine what we're actually going to be doing here with our crowded, pocket-sized dating? Yes, I rolled a three. Oh, three (laughs) is a trap. Just like in real life. Yeah, it checks out. (laughs) So there, you know, there's this, there is a part of dating, um, uh, at least with the app dating, I think um, that should be taken seriously. There are predators in this world and um, they take advantage of these things. So um, I've seen Looney Tunes. I've seen okay. that, that, uh, that coyote, what dresses up like a sheep. I, right. I know, I know the, the plans and the, mm-hmm. the, the schemes that people are, are engaging in out there. So we're going to we're going to joke and be lighthearted about it. But it's also a a very real situation. uh, The traps that take place on online dating stuff. So everyone be, you know, be safe and cautious. If you're what are you talking about, Andrew? Are you talking about like people that are like murdering people or the type of person that just I hope not dates you and then like that is homeless and just moves from like one person to another? Wow, that's yeah, that's another thing to be aware of. Just be aware. Just be, just be aware. aware. You got so aware. darn serious there for a minute. I wasn't <laughs> sure if you had like a specific moment you were referring to. Look, none of us are saying that Dragon Warrior Steve is out there catfishing people. But absolutely not. Seven foot two. But do, do, I do do abs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe at one point he said muscles on his stomachs. Yeah. Um, those are called and, stomach muscles. Yeah. Unless I see them? dual torsos, something is amiss here. Well, like a All cow right. or a hobbit. Let's uh, uh, let's talk for a moment about traps of a different kind. Like maybe the kind of traps that you might encounter in a thirst dungeon. traps, honey traps. Okay. Yes. Well, so, Tyler, when you know when you're designing games, 
um, and you think about traps that players might encounter uh, in those games, like how do you go about designing that? Like what's something that sort of like helps guide you in the creation of a trap or do you avoid creating traps? I, I feel like it's a big um, like getting past that first idea, you know, and getting to kind of the second thing that is, uh, you know, frustrates expectations a little bit or goes against uh-huh. like uh, preconceived notions. Um, so like first thought that I had for this, uh, if I may, uh, I don't you know may. if I'm allowed really? to, if, if I'm, if I may be a mad sure. dungeon creator. Um, of course. So like first thought is, you know, like what you were talking about of like, all right, you know, there is some kind of like monster or something that is trapping people here. Like there is, um, Epic levels, uh, so um, uh, insightfully said in the chat, thirst traps, uh, which is wonderful and should be acknowledged. Um, Mm. But uh, I think that, like, I want to go past that to kind of the less expected thing, which what if, like, what if the trap is just kind of incidental, you know? It's like this is a date location that is like a highly sought after date location that just happens to also have traps like a or maybe the do- from the 80s. Mm. Or, what's the date location? I, I feel like there are people a- like there are thrill seekers who be like, sure. like, I would never in a thousand years want to go skydiving. Terrifying. Like, I would hate it. But. Every season of The Bachelor, Bachelorette, you know they're putting someone up in that plane. You know they're going to drop them, and you know they're yeah. going to get a big old smooch afterwards. Who's to say that there aren't dungeon delvers who are also like, oh man, the hot place to go on a Friday night, it's this like room full of lava. You wouldn't believe the mood lighting, you know? <laughs> Wait, so is it like a room that has date things to do inside of the room? I'm also thinking of I think you should leave the comedy show on Netflix where he's like doing the zip line. They're like, I don't. Oh think yeah, you're here for yeah, one hundred percent. Just here for the zip line. So is it like <laughs> zip line over lava? I'm thinking dive, so. Like- this, the yeah, thing you I've have to a... know about Pittsburgh okay. is that we have one thing in abundance. <laughs> zip lines? That's close. That is bungee yeah. We have inclines. Lava. <laughs> In Pittsburgh, we wow. have a sh- we have a ton of abandoned shit. Like we just oh, have empty right. buildings as far as I can see. And so, like half of the restaurants in Pittsburgh used to be a church. We got Frankuary. Okay. We got um, I, I I wanted to open a chicken place called Hentecost. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's there, we got the Church Brew Works. We got like l- legitimately like tons of restaurants that like oh this used to be an old church. Or, you know, apartment complexes that used to be an old church. Or um, I I feel like things have been other than churches, but like those are the easy ones to spot in the skyline. But what I'm saying is like Pittsburgh has a long history of like even like the steel mills and stuff, like converting them into lofts or, you know, performance venues or things like that. Pittsburgh has a rich history of taking things and kind of like repurposing them for, you know, the needs of the time. Uh, and I'm saying, what if an ent- like an enterprising individual saw a room uh-huh. full of traps and was like, well, the property value here must be like through the basement. 
I can get right. this for a steal. And like, okay. I just need to gussy it up some, you know, okay. some marketing can make this All like right. a hot spot for those, those willennials. I, uh, I am loving this. I, I would I would like to add something onto it, uh, taking it back sort of to the pocket size thing. The the reason the rent is so incredibly cheap and uh, affordable is because the trap is actually a trap that makes you into a very small pocket sized person I... <laughs> and that like it shrinks you down to the the dating location. Oh right? my god. Right? I love that. Like, like I can definitely see like a <laughs> classical like Gygax ass dungeon where it's like in this room there's a mushroom and if you step on it you honey I shrunk the kids yourself. Right. But someone seeing that and being like <laughs> oh well if dating. it shrinks <laughs> Like I we could, could seat more I people. Could, yeah, I could <laughs> like you could you could fit so many people in this room. All right, so here's here's what I'm thinking with the trap. You go into the room and you get shrunk down to size. Like maybe you could pick, I don't know. There's three of us, three locations perhaps. But inside of there is a bunch of singles that are thirsty for love, and uh-huh. the only way to get out of the shrunkenness is to mutually consensually have a romantic kiss or something or a hug or some some sort of like where the way to escape the trap is to fall in love but you know something more pocket size that's doable in like a session i know that everybody here has been on a date uh because i know that we've all i don't know if i've been on a date i mean okay on a grapefruit you've been on a dating (laughs) app at least uh and sometimes you go on a date from somebody on a dating app and it feels like you're just trapped there because you got there you ordered your drink oh my god yeah and you you ordered you You've ordered done your, your entree and routine and they haven't even clapped or laughed um, right dude, i had a date where i went to like a board game cafe and i'm like what a great idea and then we played ticket to ride and the game would not end and both of us just wanted to go but we like, <laughs> refused to stop playing the game i feel this i one up you and say that i went on a date um to a studio ghibli movie because i was like oh my gosh this is great this is a wonderful dating activity i did not realize that the graveyard of the fireflies was like <laughs> <laughs> oh, a grim <laughs> reflection oh that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> the state of Japan during the war. Um, for our, our listeners back home, if you feel like uh, taking someone out for a really depressing date, take them out to see Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, um, so I, I'm thinking in terms of like, uh, I, I like your idea, Steve. And I'm thinking about like, uh, we talked a little bit about speed dating earlier. Like, sure. what if like part of the trap is... You can only leave the room in pairs. So oh. I, I think that like perhaps for some people it is very much a thing of like, oh, this is my chance to like make a romantic connection. But also there is some room for like a romantic people to not just be stranded in this dungeon for the rest of their life. Like yeah, maybe clone yourself and walk out with yourself. That's yeah. Easy. Or like find someone that you're able to be in like a, you know, consenting mutually beneficial relationship that doesn't necessarily require like affection. But, you know, I think I, I what I'm picturing is like, okay, the original purpose of this was like this was a dungeon trap 
But like you go into this room and you're like, oh, no, there's no exit. How do I solve the dungeon? And then uh, little did you know that there is a mushroom or a gas or something that releases and shrinks you down. And then the intention of the dungeon was like, uh, go on a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids style adventure and fight some insects and then escape through this like, you know, pair of mouse holes. <laughs> But I can almost imagine art, like the enterprising or the enterprising entrepreneur who found this was like, you know, if I like cut out all the bug stuff. Right, right. Yeah. So Tyler. This could just be yeah, like prime this real is what, estate. This is what I'm imagining. You like walk into this room, right? And there's like the guy who's like, I'll seat you now. Like it's a mater D or something like that. And maybe I should wait for our next segment to to talk about this, but I'm imagining he's like, oh, uh, you know, a group of of four, a party of four, uh, right this way to the uh, to the shrink or the shrink shroom, right? Yeah. The the mushroom that shrinks you, and you're like, huh? And then all of a sudden, right, you're shrunk down, and it's like really nice, cushy, poly pocket sized, um, you know, swingers pad or or dating room or. I guess I it's probably like this. A, it's a fancy restaurant, right? Yeah, I think I, I'm picturing like this could be a fancy restaurant um, that is also like I'm thinking kind of a, like a World of Warcraft lobby looking for group kind of vibe. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, like adventurers show up wow. here and it's like, hey, this is the hot place to go and get food. And also, if you want to meet somebody, all, all the people are here and they're very small. Yeah, <laughs> they're very small. All right, so this is what I'm going to say, and uh, if we have objections, let me know. But let's say you walk into this room. There's a maitre d. There are three tables. On each of the tables is a hockey puck sized thing. Half grapefruit, grapefruit sized hockey puck shape. Yeah, hockey <laughs> puck shaped thing um, that uh-huh. you will then uh, be able to be shrunk down into, which is like. Uh, like the rooms, right? Like we're like a waiting room in a video game or a VR <laughs> like hangout room kind of thing, right? So then when you go in there, you have a bunch of traps around that theme. So let's all just take one, since there's three of us, and give the theme of the trap filled or whatever whatever the room is going to be. Okay. Yeah. Tyler, you want to go first? Uh I would love to go first if I understood the conceit. Okay, so we have like so yeah. we have a trap within the trap. Well, sure. the trap is you walk in and you can't walk out unless you're in pairs. Yes. The okay. place that everyone is at is in one of these three rooms, right? So then you choose it and then it's uh, where the date is happening, right? But this is where all the dangerous stuff like you were talking about, the repurposed from the rooms. But they're like little shells on the table, right? So you could leave from one room and go to another room. But you're still uh, tiny. You're still you're tiny, tiny until you leave the whole place with a another pair. person. Yeah. And the thing is, it. like, if you have equal numbers of people in your party, fine, you could walk out there. But if you have an uneven one, then you're going to have to find someone to talk into leaving. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we should keep it simple. Right. And I don't know if like this is yeah, more grapefruits, it. more grapefruits let's just um, say they're grapefruits let's just say they're grapefruits I, I think so i i think i'm picking up on what you're saying which is like we should have kind of like a methodology for how people get out of the room whether it is like overcoming a challenge or getting like paired with people or things like that 
Um, I think the maitre d' should just tell you. It'd be like, welcome to the restaurant. No one leaves alone. Have fun pairing up. Uh, I I like that a lot. Of like, maybe yeah, that's there's fun. like some kind of weird like lich maitre d'. Um, okay. But, yeah. uh, Skeletal maitre d'. I'm into it. And what if like, if, so we've got this restaurant vibe going. Um, I, I think that like, maybe part of the fun is that like you get shrunk down and then something like a grapefruit becomes a meal for 10 or like you have a table and it's like a giant mushroom, but you're all small. Um, and what if like, Oh, that's fun. Like a charcuterie so plate. That's like is their own little adventure on the table. I think like, what if instead of like tables being adventures, we have some like carnival games, like the uh, opportunities for people to impress each other. So like maybe there's like a bug wrangling pit or there is a, like a classic, you know, marksman type thing or something like that. There's gotta Um, be a flea circus, right? Yeah. But uh, with like (laughs) the escape being, some kind of tunnel of love where like you have to have two people in the cart at all times. And you're like, just trying to woo someone into being your partner. That works for me. Yeah, I like it. So you walk in. So are we getting rid of three tables? Just one thing. And it's yeah, I think one, one area, right? You get shrunk down, so like you go to like a circle area. and then a mini area inside of the circle in the center of the room kind of thing. Cause the matrix is not shrinking, right? And he's not going to be stomping on everyone. No, although he might like this doesn't necessarily have to be like a well-kept restaurant. It could just be like a mini restaurant where there are like rats and shit that are harassing the restaurant people. (laughs) That's the size of dragons when you're shrunk. Yeah, like they tried to eliminate all the dangers, but they they didn't do a particularly good job of it. I mean, I'm imagining if you're like Polly Pocket um, Max size then probably a single strawberry is enough to feed, you know, like 20 people, right? Yeah. So it could just be like some food laid out on the table and like amidst that food, there's this like bug wrangling pit, which is like maybe it takes place. Maybe it's like a pretzel, you know, like a circle pretzel with some chocolate jello in it that you're wrestling in and then there's like a flea circus like a traditional little flea circus yeah all of the speed dating that i've attended over the years has had a dedicated jello wrestling pit yeah exactly right (laughs) i think this is is chocolate pudding okay this is classy i think this is a good point for us to move into our next segment uh which is finishing features Floor to the ceiling. We've got this room unlocked. Now for finishing features, a cherry on top. All right. Now that we're here, I think we have a pretty good idea of where we're at with yeah. our words being uh, crowded, pocket-sized, dating. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think where we've gotten it to is you walk into this room. There is the skeletal maitre d' who then will seat you in giant quotes, which is pretty much shrink you down and put you into the uh, adventuring location. In order for you to leave this adventuring location, you have to pair up with someone and leave in the tunnel of love. Um, and it's rom- it's here for dating, but it's also an adventure park of some sort. And it's been repurposed by the maitre d' from being like an evil Gygaxian dungeon of like, honey, I shrunk the kids, 
bug fighting to this other thing. So I think in the finishing features, let's go and add our own area or uh, event to put in it. Um, I also just want to say real quick, well done, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) You you took a lot of threads that were flying around and you, you did in fact arrive at a very cohesive hole. So thank you so much for that. We've right. um we've sewn a couple of these things together before, so it's... <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, I it. get it. Get uh-huh. it <laughs> All right. Yeah. So finishing features. Um. Uh, Steve, you wanted to sort of direct it a little bit. It felt like. Well, I was just gonna say. I think we should just do one each, and if it feels like it's, uh, that's enough. Cool. But if it feels like they're small, then we could do another round. I feel like three is fine, but it's. It feels oh. like the kind of place that six might be better. You let's know? just let's just all go and add our like our finishing features like we normally do, and you know if it develops into more stuff, so be it. All right, you go uh, ahead, Steve. All right, I'll start here. Um, I want this to be romantic. I want you to get in there, and I want it to... (laughs) All of the Gygaxing horror has been uh, washed off and replaced with like hearts and tunnel of love sorts of things. So um, I want there to be uh, a garden of flowers where you could like give people flowers. but, you know, unfortunately, there's, I don't know, garden mites and things and thorny roses that are the size of you. So it could. Uh, OK, yeah. Semi dangerous place, but it's a uh, romantic place to take a walk. So that's what I'll put in there. Oh, Tyler, what do you awesome. got? What do you want to add in here? I, I'm trying to think of like a good like name for the 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 restaurant like for the attraction um or like a slogan um i like first thought was like honey you shrunk my heart um but like but i feel like that's the opposite like you don't want a shrunken heart um uh like big love and little bodies how about (laughs) tiny how about tiny tarts with big hearts tiny tarts with big hearts (laughs) I don't know. Tiny tarts is great. I mean, we're not at the part where we named the room yet, but I love just tiny tarts. And like you thinking that you're going in there too, like, you know, thirsty for love, uh, yeah, little tart. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that uh, the name of the restaurant is Tiny Tarts. Sure. Um, I think that uh, the lich is wearing a name tag that says tart on it. Um, uh-huh. And... Uh, I, I don't know if they the lich is gender coded any in any way, but we know that their name is Tart. Um, and I think there is a um, a neon sign on the wall uh, that like is bathing, you know, uh, the 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 like the Lilliputian tiny people on the floor below, and it's it's pink neon light, and it says uh, tiny tarts, and then um, the uh, I think at, at some point there is like a chain, um, a flail worked into the uh, like the font work of the sign and has a chain hanging. But instead of like uh, like the ball with spikes, it's a heart with spikes. Ah, adorable. I love that. That's very fun for me to draw later. Um, <clears throat> OK, 
Yeah, so, but I do want a share when you start actually like franchising tiny tarts across the country. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Once we get no our word. shrink ray up and running. Yeah. yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go pick up a bunch of those Mighty Max things and then start converting them into uh, dating locations. Dating lo- dating locations. Um, so I guess what I would like to add is a a, f- a fun zip line. So. Um, <laughs> So there's a podium at the front door, right? So you come into the podium and the podium is just blossoming with these shrink shrooms, right? Shrink shrooms is how you get shrunk down. Okay. And so you everyone's in, saying this. Shrink shrooms is how you get shrunk down. Of course. <laughs> shrink shrooms is how you shrink down, get shrunk down. So Tiny Tart is at the podium, a uh, genderless lich creature with its you know, flesh melted off its face. Welcome to Tiny Tots. Yeah, that's the and, part. Yeah. And so as soon as you um, as soon as you just speak to him, like the the shrink shrooms issue forth their um, I think it's gas that we mentioned earlier. Yep. And that should causes... be spores, right? If it's mushrooms. Don't worry about it. Steve. All right. Uh, and you get shrunk down and then you are on the podium. And from the podium, there is a zip line that takes you one Into at a time the shrunken area to the shrunken area, yeah, yes. which is very good. That's wonderful. So, um, and then there can be all of the things that Tyler said earlier there as well. I think the bug wrangling pit, the flea circus, and then also the thing that Steve mentioned, those things should all be there. Yeah. They right? just might be so small that it's hard to distinguish exact features on them. Yeah. Until yeah. Mostly they just there. look like grapefruits. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That one looks kind of like a hockey puck. Okay. Grapefruits right. and hockey pucks. I still need someone to explain to me what a hockey puck is, though. Like, that's yeah, that's really where just, like, this whole thing is falling apart for me. Yeah, it's like a... It's, it's like, like a, a tire, but chart. smaller and not with a hole in it. Okay, go on. And then, yeah, and then, uh, but, like, it, it's probably he- more dense than a tire, but not heavier than a tire. All right, but I'm almost there. So you've heard of tire fires in Canada, uh-huh. fires that don't go out. And that's part of their national religion. 30 more seconds. And I swear I'll, I'll get it. All right. So I think we what made you- a wonderful room. <laughs> yeah. What do you think so, <laughs> so uh, we normally go into the naming the room section here, but I think we have it right. Let's just tiny tarts. I mean, tiny tarts with big hearts, right? Tiny, tiny tarts, tarts with big, with heart. big hearts. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing else. Wow, um, what what a thing! Yeah, what a thing we <laughs> what have a done thing indeed. Tyler, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, I think uh, we can all go to sleep and like throughout our day to day lives proud of what we've accomplished. I think I'm proud. So. Yeah, I think yeah. this will be a very fun. I mean, think about every role playing game you play. You walk into this room, and they're like, "Welcome to Tiny Tarts," and you're like, "Okay, I'm in a restaurant." They're like, "Step this way to the podium." Uh, <laughs> no one expects to shrink at Tiny yeah. Tarts. <laughs> And then they're like, have fun falling in love. And then like, it's uh, push you down, I guess. And then you just zip line into this whole world. Actually, what was that Matt Damon film where he, he turned shrunk into a little person? And then they had some sort of like, oh, yeah. Rebellion. Oh, yeah. Because he, he and his wife decided to get shrunk because you You're live thinking like a... of um, a bug's life. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is a bug's life starring Matt Damon. Um, or Matt Damon is like 
Like, where have all the bees gone? Where yeah, have all the bees? That's, What's that's up with all one. these bees? It's me, Matt Damon. Tyler, uh, before uh, before we leave this episode in the dust, could you share? It's going to all be down in the show notes, but could you share anyway for our verbal? I thought you were about to say it's all going to be down from here. It's all downhill from here. Let's talk about your socials. Where can people? Yeah, like where can people get a hold of you? Downhill from here. Uh, You can, you know. I just want to say that social media has never been a more solid and reliable landscape um, (laughs) than it is right now in this exact moment, and uh, that is why, with confidence, I am going to tell you to go www.possibleworldsgames.com, and you'll find me anywhere else. Yep, <laughs> literally <laughs> anywhere else. Something you have control over. Yeah, you know, there there will be icons in the corner of that website, and if you click on them, they might take you to somewhere. They'll they take might. you to all of the places. Yeah. Speaking of taking us to different places, I I'll wonder if we might search possible worlds games and on all socials and find Tyler's. Yeah, I, I'm only yeah. possible W games on Twitter because they have a character limit. And also uh, my company has a middle name and it's William. <laughs> William Worlds, possible yeah. William, worlds possible games. William games, I think maybe. Anyway, have fun falling in love. (laughs) Not to get dark again, but I would love for that to be the last thing I hear before I die. (laughs) As someone just saying, have fun falling in love. (laughs) Push me into my grave. I mean, at um, least then I'm like, what do they know that I don't? Yeah, it's a little Miracle Max, like, have fun storming the castle. Yeah. Go run in there. All right. Um, so typically at this point of the show, which is we are very close to the end of it, but hold tight, everybody, because we're going to send it over to producer Zach to give our announcements, our show announcements, as though uh, Zach is um, Tart, the um, melted face lich creature, uh, maitre d' of tiny tarts. Here we go. Ah, yes. Come check out our amazing dwarves in the best dwarf drawing contest. It's on the website, epiclevelsrapgods.com. Thank you to all the artists who participated. Dungeon Gats is a rules-light, casual TTRPG by our own Tiger Wizard. You can have... Your cat in the game by simply backing at any level. The pre-launch page is on the Epic Levels Kickstarter. We're running games at Game Ocon in Madison, where Dragon Warrior will be taking you through some old school essentials. This is in October, 19th to 24th, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 10 a.m. Oh, and yes, in December we'll be at PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia. There'll be games there, too. And lastly, and most importantly, do check out our adventure maps on Exalted Funeral. The new ones are the one that glows and head kick of the musical. Oh my, are they brilliant and delicious. 
Thank you for listening to our show. Oof. I feel All like right. I've I've fallen in love, honestly. I feel like the tone that Zach used for that entire thing just Made me believe that love is possible for all of us. Again, yeah, my heart's all pitter patter, and I'm dead. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler's heart just clear up, exploded. There's yeah. mess all over the screen here. Sorry, but uh, I live here now. I'm a ghost haunting your headphones. <laughs> Tyler, can you leave our uh, audience? Can you leave any words of wisdom for role playing life in general? How to be. Uh, good in this life yeah um i think that i'll I'll share um a little bit of uh of wisdom that um was something that like i i had a friend remind me when i was still uh dating when i was still in the 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 murk and the mire of dating apps um Mm, down in the bog down in the bog in the swampy swampy swamp um so uh, it's very easy to go through life um, with a mindset of scarcity, you know, the idea and like capitalism kind of fuels this in a lot of ways. Uh, the idea that like there are only so many jobs out there, you know, and you really have to like fight tooth and claw in order to get what you want. Or there's only so much like housing security or there's only so much love in the world. And it is um, love is a scarce thing. And you need to make sure that you are like, you know, doggedly pursuing it, um, sometimes, you know, sacrificing uh, your own happiness in pursuit of it, uh, because it's, you know, it's just such a rare thing. Um, but it is much healthier to go through life uh, with a mindset of abundance, um, that there is an abundance of creativity out in the world. Um, that you have an abundance of creativity within yourself, that no project is going to be your last project. No game has to be your last game. No novel has to be your last novel. Um, that, you know, there are people out there that value the talents that you have and you are talented. And also that there is an abundance of love in the world, that it is not a matter of, you know, uh, locking down, you know, something out of fear but uh, continuing to, you know, uh, experience life, experience in the fullest and meet life where it's at and uh, wait for, you know, the circumstances that um, are entirely possible uh, will happen to you, too. Uh, so if I can leave us on one sappy inspirational note, it is that, uh, you know, go through life um, with a mindset of abundance and not one of a scarcity and um also, uh, like grapefruit, put a little bit of sugar on there. Oh. <laughs> uh, Tyler, I will scoop it out. Beak. Like you eat, eat it like ice cream. It's wonderful. Tyler, I'm going to fight beak, feather and bone for your love. Thank, Thank you. you very much for being on the show. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Thank Zach. Thank you so much. Zach. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Have fun falling in love. Yeah, have fun falling in love, everyone. Look at all the muscles on my stomachs. He's kissing each of them. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to the Epic Levels Mad Dungeon podcast. Let us know if you pop this room into one of your games, or if you run any of our other adventures, we'd love to hear from you. You can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash epiclevels. Your support helps make this podcast possible. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player, leave a comment, and tell your friends, and slay your enemies. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at epic underscore levels. Join our mailing list at epiclevelsrapgods.com. The Epic Levels Mad Dungeon podcast is hosted by Andrew Bellary, Rob Bellary, and Steve Albertson. Produced by Zach Cowan. Theme song by Epic Levels and beat by Interesting, a.k.a. Mason Grant, who also makes tabletop games that you can purchase at GammaWaveGames.com. And until next time, may your crits be plentiful and your fumbles few.